I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a woman. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. I am a single voice. And I and I and I, and I will be heard. You're listening to the Vital Voices podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're joined today by women who participated in our Global Ambassadors program in Puerto Rico. Our Global Ambassadors program is a partnership with the Bank of America, and it brings together top women executives in businesses with emerging women leaders for a week of intensive mentorship and training. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, a Global Ambassador at this uh, week in Puerto Rico. It was really a transformative experience, and I have uh, a great group of women business leaders based in Puerto Rico, and during the week, we all spoke about the deep impacts and effects of Hurricane Maria, which is you know, the strongest hurricane to hit Puerto Rico in 80 years. And it wasn't only on your businesses, but it was on your country and your families and yourselves. So um, why don't we just get started? Uh, Maria, um, Hurricane Maria, I guess it's named after powerhouses like you, <laughs> uh, hit Puerto Rico hard. It caused an estimated $90 million worth of damage um, and we'll get to how it impacted the business in, in a little bit, but talk about the effect emotionally on the island and particularly on women. So after the hurricane hit, basically the first week, you could say a lot of people did not react to it because you have basically everything you liked and know about your hometown in Puerto Rico became a ghost town. The problem is with a lot of women, they ended up becoming the leaders in the communities because they're the ones that know what the children need, what the housing needs and everything. So what you would see across all these small communities that were completely destroyed is all is all these strong leadership women taking control of their communities, making sure everybody's safe, um, moving around stuff to make sure that everybody got water and everybody got housing. So that's where the problem started because you have all these strong women who had lost everything, making sure that everybody else had everything they needed and not taking care of themselves. So all these strong Puerto Rican women are putting all everything together, but nobody's taking care of them. And then add to that all those emotional and psychological symptoms like anxiety, obviously PTSD and all that. And it just becomes of this mixture of like emotional depression, let's say for that, or an emotional symptoms of depression that would just completely take over. And then the problem is not six months after the hurricane, it's a year or two years after when they still have no electricity, they still have no power, they still haven't gotten the aids they need. The schools are shut down, and then they're expected to walk normally and sleep normally and be okay. And then that's when you got the suicide rates increase, the domestic violence rates increase. You had people literally just dropping everything and even leaving their pets because they couldn't take it anymore and leaving their fathers um, stuck in housing because they couldn't take it and just leave. So what you saw was like this trail of like a lot of people resiliency getting together But since the focus was more on like helping Puerto Rico get up, you wouldn't really take care of yourself. And that's where the main issue you saw. And all these amazing women, obviously, like the ones here that would take control and make sure that everybody was okay. I remember Tanya said that uh, the hurricane is still Mm -hmm. in everybody's bodies. Isabel R. We have a couple of Isabels with us. Uh, Talk about the importance of rebuilding businesses, specifically post-Maria and uh, how women have stepped up in general to to rebuild those businesses. 
I mean, we have to think about the long-term rebuilding of the island and the immediate uh, thing that many NGOs would did was help with immediate relief efforts, water, energy, but we decided to concentrate it on, we decided to concentrate on long-term rebuilding and how could we help communities that were coming up with social enterprises that could really create systemic change and impact long-term and try to really create a self-sufficient Puerto Rico and bring back jobs to the island. What about you, Paulina? I mean, how about, you know, as a woman business leader on the island, specifically on tourism, you know, you're doing these wonderful culinary tours, but a lot of that is, is tourists coming in and how hard has it been, the impact of, of spoon food tours um, to bring people in and, and really rebuild better? Uh, it was definitely a challenge. So after the hurricane, you know, and, and just we, we were just not prepared because our business was very focused on the tourism market. So we, we were not operating for about three months. We, you know, we issued refunds uh, for the future. And we just didn't know whether or not we would be able to, to operate again. And that also happened with hotels and, and other tour operators. So we were really um, dependent on, on tourism and people coming to Puerto Rico. Um, I feel like tourism company and Discover Puerto Rico, the DMO, has done, you know, has been doing a, a very good job in, in promoting Puerto Rico. And uh, January for us was really wonderful. And Manuel Miranda uh, came to Puerto Rico, so we think that was very amazing. much uh, brought, you know, shed some positive, positive light. He's been an incredible, incredible ambassador, but we definitely need need more of that. We need people to come to the island to spend their dollars. Uh, it is a, a from the East Coast, it's a direct flight from many from many states and many cities. So we urge people to come to Puerto Rico. We are going to welcome you with open arms. We don't only have amazing beaches, but we have a great culinary scene. We have incredible, lovely, passionate, caring, uh, resilient people that want to want to showcase their their beautiful island. So please, please come down. It must be really hard to present. You know, obviously, it's such a beautiful island with so much culture and heart, but when you're, you yourselves are feeling so low about what happened, it must be, it must just be incredible to kind of put one foot in front of the other. It was, it was extremely hard, you know, for, I, I had a moment where I was like, I, I, I don't know if I want to go forward. And it was, you know, looking back on it, that was really, I felt like it was really selfish, but it, it definitely happened to me. I'm like, do we, do we just leave? What do we do? Are we ever going to operate again? Because you just, you know, like, you know, what Maria was saying, you were just very focused on your on your day to day and getting you know getting your gasoline and all the things that you knew were not there anymore. You couldn't use your phone. You had no electricity. You couldn't do simple things like you know literally go to the store because there was a curfew at night. And then you know you wanted to go see your friends or your family, but you couldn't get there because you didn't have the gas to get there. So it was this whole crazy crazy time. So it it. It was it was a very difficult time for for a lot of us and a lot of our a lot of us uh, women entrepreneurs. But we are we're back and we are staying and we are going to rebuild together. And we love our island. We're passionate about it. Passionate about its people. And and we're not we're not going anywhere. Isabel Fernandez, you're you also you're advising a lot of of these groups and these companies on on how to rebuild and and how to overcome some of these challenges. I mean, how have the challenges changed for businesses post-Maria and, and specifically women-owned women owned businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that uh, it was the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. 
and for you to have a, an idea what was going on, if you had a business, um, you could, you wanted to purchase things, you wanted people to buy things, but there was no electricity for months. So people could not withdraw money for, from the ATM machines. I mean, there was stock in, the, in those shops, but you couldn't buy it because you cannot use your credit card. There was no availability of cash because you could not withdraw it. So it was, it was a, a real problem because there was not a lack of supplies or food, really. It was not, you're not being able to either sell or buy. So that was a big problem for businesses. So it, it came to a point where you can tell the resiliency and uh, of the people of Puerto Rico when everybody realized that we were on our own in a way and we all must come together and help each other. And I have to tell you, you will find stories within the same group of people that were helping each other. Uh, you have, for example, Maria and Coco House who were bringing people in because they had access to uh, electricity and uh, to Wi-Fi and businesses working from there in order to you know remain operational women business leaders coming together uh, to help each other and provide resources to each other so out of this hurricane I think one of the beautiful things that came out is that we realized that we can all do better bigger things together and be more prepared for future events because Isabel I mean as we know about 44% of Puerto Ricans already live in, in poverty. Here in the mainland, it's about 12%. And so, you know, women entrepreneurs are helping tackle to kind of rebuild better in a way. Yes, definitely. And and that is what we're trying to do with the organization. But what, what going back to Isabel's <coughs> comment, um, the day after the hurricane, I ended up at Mary's uh, co-working space working from there. And then after that, when we started to figure out what we were going to do initially, uh, besides energy and besides distributing water, it was energy. And we decided to help small businesses distributing uh, power generators to small businesses and communities because these uh, businesses, little, little supermarkets, were the ones that were available for people in those communities to go get their food and supplies. So that, that was actually one of the first things we did uh, with the money that we raised. What I'm getting, Mari, is that I think what what we're hearing is that these all of you and women entrepreneurs and women in general really didn't have time to kind of grieve what happened. And they're just, you know, as Isabel said and as Maria said, just kind of picking up, um, but never really had time to look back about how hard it was. And as a woman entrepreneur, and we were talking about Coco House, this this uh, co-working space um, seems like it, it's really been a lifeline for people to kind of get together, not just to work, but to grieve together. Yeah, um, we I, I managed to get out of my house. My entire family was on the West Coast, so I wasn't able to communicate with them for a couple of days. And even though it was extremely stressful, I had no idea what, you know, if everyone was okay. Um, I just, the one thing I could do was go to my space and make sure it was all right. We had a generator that worked 24 seven. So that was, you know, I never thought how lucky I was to, to have that. And our Wi-Fi was working. So the first thing we did was just, you know, make coffee because, um, you know, people from all over the place were, were wanting to have warm coffee. And then after that, it, the, the word started spreading that, that we had internet and so many people came in through those doors over your first days. 
in order to talk to their people, to their families in the States and let them know that they were okay because we didn't have any communication for weeks. Um, so internet was really the only thing that if you had it, it was like the most valuable commodity. Um, we had organizations, nonprofits, Connect Relief, which focus on, on providing relief to uh, figuring out what the needs were in each of the communities and they were gathering then information and sharing it with the Red Cross and, and other organizations. They hadn't even finished their app um, before the hurricane because they came up with this idea between Irma and Maria. And they finally were able to come into our space and they set up shop overnight. I think it became uh, like a ground zero uh, place. It was parallel 18 is an accelerator program of international people. And these people had no family. They don't know anyone else in Puerto Rico. And the I think cohort had only been up for a couple of weeks or maybe a couple months. And they needed to get out because they had no family. They had no idea what to do, where to go. Um, and so it just, yeah, I, it wasn't until five days after the hurricane that I finally was able to focus on my family and figure out what was going with them and i don't know it's just like once you start it there's snowball effect you couldn't stop maria one of the things that i'm finding and when i met you all this like amazing dynamic women you had already you get the sense that like oh well you know these women they're moving on they're large and in charge but this is really one of the first times i think like we've sat together and talked about you know everyone saw those pictures on tv and you know, interviewed people, but I feel like this is the first time we're really kind of getting to sit and be like, this is how hard it was. And, you know, on one hand, it's, it's, uh, you know, inspirational and everyone, you know, feels great about where, you know, they are now and where they're going, but it, it's really coming home to me um, how deep, how deep this went in, in terms of the pain that that people went through at the time. I, this is the first time I'm really hearing you guys talk about it in such stark terms. Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> I was joking around with Zoe because I told her that um, uh, Vital Voices ended up being like a catharsis for all of us because a lot of us ended up crying and explaining. Like, I remember Isabel, like the hard time you had with like everybody coming in and everything and you just like starting to cry, obviously, because, and you could tell that it was basically all of us, like, when something that eventful happens, like your whole island is destroyed. Everything you love is completely gone. Like the school you went to doesn't exist anymore. The place you went to go have bread and coffee does not exist anymore. You can't communicate. You don't know if your grandparents are okay. I didn't know where my sister was for two whole weeks, basically. So you don't have enough time to like sit down and be like, well, this is affecting me in a way where I feel like I lost like a person I love, basically, because that is what you're losing. You're losing everything that represents who you are. And then you don't have time because at the same time you're in survival mode and you see all of this and I'm pretty sure it happened with all these incredible women. You see it and you're just like, F it, I got to fix it. Like there's nobody coming. No help is coming. It's us because the help is coming. But the bigger help, like, for example, the government is making sure that they can, can start running again and like the economy can start working. Who's working with those small communities, the people where the people actually live. And for example, I live in a college town in Mayagüez where Mari's from. And literally there were college students with beers making way. Like they had beers. There were college students that decided to stay, but they were the ones opening the road so people could go see if their neighbors were okay and all that. So I feel like through this process, including Vital Voices, since it, basically it went around after Hurricane Maria, it helped us like 
go through the motion and the emotional toll that it took on all of us that none of us had had the time to like sit down and like actually feel it. So I feel like that opened that those floodgates and like everybody was crying and like everybody dealt with their own personal issues after Maria. And then, I, like you said, like me, us coming on this year, like I keep realizing, like I'm getting goosebumps as I talk. So like that's when I realized it was more affected than I actually realized because at that moment I'm just like, the neighbor needs gas. I she's just pregnant. She can't do it. I'm gonna wake up at 3 a.m. and make that five hour line to make sure she has ten dollars worth of gasoline to go see her grandmother who has food and stock and everything. So I feel like this and what we're doing right now is actually like therapeutic in a way that you're able to like be around strong women that might not have gone through the exact same thing as you saying like a hurricane Maria but they know what destruction and like despair and like being at rock bottom is and it helps you realize I'm gonna be okay and they are giving me the power to realize that I can do it and the people can do it it's so amazing and um, you know this is a program initially for you know primarily for you know women entrepreneurs and getting the skills that they need but we're finding that this was also you know a kind of healing experience and I saw that with you too and as your spirit kind of soared throughout the week what do you think it would have been like if uh, if there were men at this vital voices workshop I feel like it was a real sisterhood uh, I, I believe that the opportunity that we have a uh, been together, just women, uh, the whole week, uh, was very important uh, to be just women because uh, it gives us the opportunity to be uh, more vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yes, because uh, we know uh, our issues. Uh, we know that the challenge that we have in front and and we were uh, more comfortable to open our heart and share uh, all the feelings that we have, uh, and in, including in, in the personal way, not only in a professional way. And, and I believe that the opportunity to, to be just women uh, is, is the opportunity to be more strong <coughs> and, and be uh, and, and create alliance. And that's kind of, you know, uh, Elise Nelson, the president of Vital Voices, have often said, you know, women lead in, in a different way. It's it's more of a, you know, kind of a visceral and, and personal connection, and, it, and it's a, a much more dynamic way of leading. Um, your organization, Nustrella Escuela, or our school in Spanish, works with children of varying ages and, and special educational needs. Talk to us about how the aftermath of the hurricane impacted these secondary and elementary school-aged children with, with these different learning needs. Must have, you know, they have these challenges in the beginning, but after Maria, it must have been, you know, incredibly um, difficult for them. Yes. Hurricanes uh, are a natural process. And the crisis that we live in Puerto Rico, it was created by the bad manage of government. And, and the, the nonprofit organizations were, were the first uh, response in, in the crisis. In our case, in Nuestra Escuela, we, we, we visit home by home. Uh, first, our, uh, the staff of Nuestra Escuela, 
And with all the staff, uh, we went to home by home to our students, uh, solving the, the necessities of the family. And, and the nonprofit organization and each Puerto Rican transform uh, their own necessities in, in the possibility to help. And I, and I think that it was the most beautiful part uh, after the hurricane that we, we discovered that together we can solve everything. And that we are not alone in Puerto Rico because each Puerto Rican have another Puerto Rican. That's amazing. I mean, we're talking about how, you know, these, normally we think of these, um, as issues of lack of resources, infrastructure, how do we rebuild? Um, but what we're really hearing, I think, here is that it's more about, you know, grit and determination and we can find the resources and we can find the infrastructure and, and rebuilding Mari. But, in, you know, by having like a co-working space where people can get together and share ideas is as important as um, you know, getting money for materials. Yeah, I mean, that was we had we had mothers come in and cook a meal for everyone that was in the space. They they brought in you know the the their little casserole and and they did rice and beans for for everyone there. And it was the first warm meal for a lot of people because everyone was just eating sandwich meat uh, for a while. And um, I think. I don't know, community spaces are something that we've lost. Um, a lot of people no longer are as religious as they used to be or uh, community centers are not as big as they used to be. And what we've realized is that spaces like co-working spaces, it's not just for business, but it's also your social, uh, your, it's your social life. And it um, with all the independence that we now have and the individuality that people can have working from home and the flexibility, there's a loneliness epidemic um, in worldwide, and these spaces um, that are not just co-working spaces, any communal space, but it's happening a lot in co-working spaces. It's more about it's more than just business. It's they're your your alliances that you make. They're your future coworkers or your mm. cl future clients, and and but also your friends, and it's it's really a, an incredible dynamic. Sounds like this is exactly what you know, Puerto Rico's need now more than anything is, is, you know, just a helping hand from, you know, a neighbor. Um, in the remaining time, I want to, you know, talk to each of you uh, briefly about what you, you know, the rebuilding process in terms of what, how can local women entrepreneurs, you know, what do they need? How can, how can uh, everybody help tackle these challenges um, with keeping in mind the, you know, we've talked about how, women leaders look at this in a different way and, and see not just what's needed in terms of numbers and materials, but human human capital. Um, Isabel Fernandez. Yes, I, I think that, um, as I mentioned before, one of the uh, learning lessons uh, that we had throughout all of this is that sometimes women tend to work on silos. This has been an experience that had brought a lot of us together and uh, to help each other out. It's so amazing. In, in many different ways. And I think one of the things that really caught my attention was I remember going to Orokovich, which is uh, one of the towns that was the most affected 
uh, in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. And I remember going to this house, which has lost half of its roof, and uh, we were offering uh, help to the lady. Uh, she was in her 50s, and she said, there's a phrase in Puerto Rico saying, estamos bien. When you will ask people, they will tell you, estamos bien, we're fine, considering that you know that there's somebody else that is really struggling. And that lady told us, you know, whatever you have, don't give it to me. Go down the road. There's an old couple. They don't have a roof at all. Please help them first. So it's the sense of community that has brought up among us. It's the sense of what is important, what are the priorities, who we are as people, how we love each other, and how we support each other. And women are leaders right now in Puerto Rico making sure that we recover, for sure. Isabel, I've heard you say that even the other day we were talking and you said, I don't even want to talk about what I need because there are so many more people that need more. What do women and local entrepreneurs need more than ever? Um, local entrepreneurs need people to support their businesses, either buying their, 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 what they're producing, um, hiring them, um, being their mentors, facilitating with connections to, to even greater markets. Um, just support in general. What about you, Paulina? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> we're all cr- we're all crying here. Folks. <laughs> uh, I, I I I agree with Isabel a lot. I think that women need um, support in terms of mentorship, in terms of and I, and I and I have seen that some so some you know beautiful things did come out of the hurricane. We've talked about it, you know, a lot of emotional issues and and but I think that beautiful things did come out of it. I think. The community uh, in general, not only women, but in general, people have really come together. Isabel, also channeling your story about that that woman who said, you know what, don't help me, help that person down the street. You know, people, we had no electricity for for, for a long time, and we, would, we were forced to go outside and talk to our neighbors, yes. meet our neighbors, yes. and meet, see the kids playing in the street, riding their bikes. I loved seeing that, you know? And we would have to be like, okay, well, I got ice. I stood online for five hours for gas. Okay, for, for ice, I got ice. This person goes like, you know, I have whiskey. All right, <laughs> I, I, I got some coconuts. Let's have a party tonight. And that was really beautiful. And sorry, I went off topic. Um, but that was, <laughs> that was really exciting. Um, but yes, women just need um, more more resources, more connections, um, and more, more organizations like this. And I want to kind of see how we can bring more of the vital voices down, you know, down to Puerto Rico and create more of an ecosystem. Because here we are, you know, the 10 of us that did this amazing program, um, but we want to, we need, we need more of that. And we need to share that with the other women on the end so that they know that these resources uh, do exist. Um, Aniars, what about you and the school and children and teachers in particular? What, how can people help and, and what do they need to kind of build back better and, and we're talking really about, you know, helping grow the future generation of Puerto Rico. Yes. Uh, I don't want to ignore the question before, because I, I believe that women leaders in Puerto Rico also need time to heal and to, to recover and to be together and, and reflect about the new Puerto Rico that we need, that need to be built after the hurricane. In the case of uh, education in nuestra escuela, uh, we are fine. That's just what we're talking about, right? (laughs) We're talking about how, you know, in the poorest communities of 
of Puerto Rico, people are saying they're fine because they know that I'm, I'm even going to cry now that someone else is is uh, in in worse need. I know with uh, with you at the helm, Anna, those kids are going to be um, just great. Mari, um, in terms of what we were saying about building a, you know, a, a kind of communal, not just in terms of a physical workspace, but a communal um, process where people can help rebuild together. Well, going back to what Paulina said about the positive th- outcome of the hurricane, one thing that I've seen which I think is vital and we've been needing it is the diaspora. So many people for the last decade have left. And now it's not that it's because of the hurricane that they're now interested, but it's brought back so much uh, kind of hope that things can now get better. Things can now progress. And what I've seen is people moving back. People that have great jobs in the States are moving back to become entrepreneurs because now they see that this entrepreneurial ecosystem is sort of like growing and getting stronger. And now it's like, you know what, I'm I'm willing to take the risk now because before there wasn't this uh, sort of like solidarity of different uh, projects and, and community efforts and co-working spaces and accelerator programs. And it was starting before the hurricane, but I think the hurricane was it's sort of like become this catalyst to propel it a lot faster because attention was brought to us. And now investors are looking into investing in local uh, communities uh, and, and local businesses. And so the brain drain, I, what I hope is that it, it starts to slow down or even stop and reverse. And we can have a lot of Puerto Ricans that left who would love to come back and have their own businesses and, and, and return to the island now could possibly do it. Maria, this feels like even just this podcast has been kind of a cathartic experience for us. And um, I think what we're seeing now is is that as Puerto Rico rebuilds, um, it's not just about rebuilding the building. It's about rebuilding the spirit. And yes. I think that's what, you know, we found at Vital Voices. And, you know, this is just a small microcosm of what people are facing on the island and, and women in particular. I agree. I, like I've said before, like, I feel like anybody who has the chance to come to any type of Vital Voices program should do it. I feel like you not only like find what you need for whatever project you're doing or whatever company you have, but you also find yourself a different part of you that you never thought you had meeting so many different people that have gone through, like I said, not the same thing, but something similar in the sense and like everybody here's crying <laughs> everybody here's remembering yeah, the issues like, are out yeah <laughs> it's been kind of intense but i feel like what i realized from the program is that usually when you see women like um isabel said like they are starting to get together before you used to be like they there was like this thing where women had to be competitive against other women and now you're just seeing women being like what do you need like instead of focusing on what they need they see another woman and they're like well I can connect you with this person I I can do this and I feel like we've always like they mentioned yesterday we've always had a voice but I feel like honestly like I feel like women can handle these situations or what from what I've seen in Puerto Rico way better maybe it's because they're taught to be more empathetic empathic empathetic from the beginning and everything but I feel like It's just something like once you get around women, they're going to listen and they're going to help you. And it's not like help me get back up. It's like, let's see how we're all going to get back up together while we're all growing individually. But at the same time, universally, basically, because 
even yesterday, like there were women there I've never met, but I saw them and there was like this connection where at we all knew <clears throat> at the Vital Voices Awards, exactly that we all knew that we, if I ever needed something or called them and I'm like, I need a place to stay, they wouldn't even blink. They would be like, all right, you can stay. There's a room right here. So I feel like this has been an amazing experience. I feel like also, honestly, anybody listening, you should talk about any problem or any traumatic event you've had. It will definitely help you go around with it. It's helped all of us, which is why we're crying. But um, yeah, I think that we have a long way to go, but I feel like we're all strong and united. When I see the connections that were made in Puerto Rico, just from this one group and helping everyone help build each other up, and, and that's just, again, one small group of women on an island of powerful, dynamic people and women in particular. I know Puerto Rico is going to build back better. Uh, the women are amazing, and you guys amazing in particular. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you uh, next year at the next reunion. Thank yes, you. Definitely. Thank you, yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Gracias. And thank you to Vital Voices for having here, having us here, and ready with the skills for Transport Puerto Rico. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Vital Voices podcast. To learn more about Vital Voices, visit vitalvoices.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Vital Voices, on Instagram at Vital Voices, and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vital Voices. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.